0: Welcome to Trash Compactor. I'm Josh, and joining me today is Chris. Hey, y'all. And Johnny. Hello. Today we are talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi Part 5. This was a good one, guys. Johnny, what were your overall
1: thoughts? I think this might be my favorite episode of the season so far. Um, I loved everything about it. Um, it just it hit all the beats for me. I had cool action moments. Um, I had... Uh, cool revelations, uh, not that I was entirely shocked by any of it, but I liked the journey to get to those moments, you know, and I just thought that everything they did was like a lot of the things that I kind of, uh, expected out of the series in a really good way. Um, mm. so I was just really excited to see all of that and, um, we can get into more of it later, but, uh, uh, I liked all the, the illustrations of characters, growth or non-growth uh through their actions in this episode
0: uh yeah i was thinking about you in those in those flashbacks i was like Mm -hmm. i was like oh john's gonna eat this up he's gonna eat this up not because of the flashbacks but because they were specifically using it to say something about the characters that was informing what was going on in the present yeah yeah i can't Uh, wait to get into that yeah uh chris overall thoughts yeah no i'm 100 with john this was by far my favorite episode of, uh, of the the series so far, um, I thought it covered a lot of good ground. I thought it did a good job of, of building tension and I'm, I'm glad we, we dug into the past because I was wondering when that was going to happen and I thought it was done well too. Like John said, I don't, I don't think we learned anything. We didn't, we didn't already know that said, I, I, I felt a little bit, I thought the flashback was enough to give me a little bit of a stronger connection with Anakin. And that was mm. nice um, and especially because it, 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 you know, I liked that it was one more hint of like, Obi-Wan is worried about Anakin, but he also like, I started to understand why it is that he kept teaching him because he really did think Anakin was learning by the end of mm-hmm. that fight. Like, I think Anakin wants to learn. And so even though he obviously doesn't, uh, it, it works for me on a lot of levels. Plus I think it does more to speak to, even though I think there's still. Um, and you guys said this in the last episode that I wasn't able to record, there is still one more confrontation with Vader, but this was really the lesson of he was still the learner and and mm-hmm. Obi-Wan was the master. So yep. for everybody who's complaining that like the quote makes no sense now, I think they can take a breath and maybe look at this and go, okay, you know, the, it's still, the the line still holds up because believe it or not, people who made it have actually watched Star. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I I was going to save this for later, but since you brought it up, like (laughs) the idea, the idea that somebody writing the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, the idea that the very first thing they would start with (laughs) is not (laughs) those scenes in the original trilogy, right? And being like, okay, what did they say? Like, what happened in these scenes? Like, what do I have to do? It's like, what am I working with? Right, The idea. Um, there was a Star Wars YouTuber whose whose name I won't mention, but
1: was it Michael J. Fox? Yes, it was Michael J. Fox. Uh, oh man, whoops. I'm so disappointed well, to hear
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> well- Well-known Star Wars fan and um, <laughs> a very active uh, YouTuber, but they said something to the effect of, "Whoever wrote this never watched Revenge of the Sith."
1: Oh Jesus Christ! That seems right? that
0: seems that seems really likely. That seems right? really likely.
1: And, and also, also based like, on,
0: like you said, haven't watched the original trilogy. It's like, there's really not much about Obi-Wan in the original trilogy. So they would have had to have been really lazy to 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 not at least explore the original trilogy and think of the line, I was but the learner, now I am the master. So that's never watched Revenge of the... That's, no, 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 that's interesting. Well, so because the writer or one of the writers, Joe B. Harold, I think his name is, he. Um, he had a really interesting article in Vanity Fair, actually. A really interesting interview where he was talking about the things that they had in mind and were trying to do and the process, da da da. And there was one point where he was talking about working with the story group and Pablo Hidalgo, who's I think the head of the story group at Lucasfilm. And he was talking about what an amazing resource he was and how like he was able to go to him with questions to get clarity on things. And uh, one of the things he said, he specifically asked him, was how aware is Obi-Wan of the name Darth Vader? In other words, Does he know that Anakin is Darth Vader, right? Mm -hmm. You know, which seems like a sensible question to be sure about. Because even I, like when when the second episode, the climax of the second episode of the show is when Obi-Wan realizes that Anakin is alive, Mm -hmm. um, which was a moment that I didn't realize that I really wanted to see that we had never seen, right? And then as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, he doesn't know. So just like if I try to think like a writer for a second and I'm realizing the dramatic potential of that, that is definitely a question that I would ask the guy who knows all about the canon and the continuity to see if that's okay if I do. Now, if you look in the movie, he does see the hollow recording of Sidious calling Anakin Lord Vader or something like that, right? So 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 he knows that Anakin is Vader, but he doesn't know that Vader slash Anakin survived, right? So so you
1: can actually so, see all that in the uh, his reaction though, because he starts reacting, I think when she mentions Darth Vader's name. Yes. Exactly. And, you see, and then you exactly. see him reacting to that. And right. you know, and then there's a the revelation that he just didn't even know that he was alive exactly
0: right, right and I thought this covered it really well because I was I was glad because it was one of the things that I think I mentioned at voiced as a concern that I was like who is Reva that like she knows who and that Anakin is Vader and part of that comes from the the because I know we've mentioned the animated series before in Rebels um his apprentice Ahsoka who was created specifically for um for uh, excuse me and in, in, yeah she finds out with Rebels but she was she was created for um for uh Clone wars. Clone wars Right. Um, much like Harley Quinn was created for Batman the Animated Series and then became like a fan favorite and now they're now they're everywhere. Um, but Ahsoka did not know that Anakin became Vader, so it's a reveal for her. So I was like, why is this common knowledge suddenly? And so I was starting to go, like, all right, I'm not gonna hold my breath here, but but hopefully like they know this, and then to find out the way that Obi Wan deduces who Reva must be because she knows who Vader is. Um that really, that really worked for me. And that was one of the reasons I really liked this episode because it didn't tie up all the loose ends as far as I was concerned, but it mm-hmm. did hit some of those sort of like, I didn't want to be a stickler for Canon, but I was like, but at least be aware of, no, 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 they were perfectly aware and they did the thing. So, um, yeah, yeah so I don't right even, what you guys are saying.
1: I don't even think they broke Canon because I feel like everything they did fit kind of perfectly, like, uh, like with Riva, just from the opening scene of the show. I, you know, they they specifically uh show a group of kids and they show one little black girl in the group. Right, and right. then it's like, oh, that's probably Riva, you know, not to cast assumptions, but it's like they right. casted that on purpose because it's, you know, that's it's logistics of TV right. and casting. Yeah. And then so when they reveal that that was her, I mean, uh, I think Bracy might have mentioned it uh in the other episode, and I totally agreed with him because I thought the same thing is like. I just assumed that she would have witnessed Anakin killing people in a Jedi temple, whether or not he would have even interacted with her, you know? So it it just, it it just made sense that, um, she would, uh, know, you know, and I think with Darth Vader, I think Darth Vader's, uh, appearances at any point up until this point in the TV show. like if the inquisitors are out there hunting all the jedi i don't think vader gets involved unless it's like a heavy duty person that they need to take down right. and since reva already said like uh in the opening scene of the first episode that like when they're going after ben safty they're like I'm, we're I'm tired of going after scraps yeah. you know and i think the grand inquisitor has said something along the lines of like well if that's what's left then that's what's left so there's no need for Vader to do it himself. He's overpowered, wow. you know? And so all that being said, it makes sense if Obi-Wan is living in a cave, <laughs> you know? And if uh, Vader's not really making himself known, that it wouldn't be common knowledge. And also, it would also make sense for the Empire to, to um, keep Anakin and Vader's identity under wraps anyway, you know, yeah. for the own... Uh, prerogative
0: and obi and obi-wan says the same thing obi-wan says anakin wouldn't want anybody to know that he wouldn't want somebody to know that so yeah Yeah. i know i think that's that's a good analysis john yeah the other thing too like what this really just speaks to that really drives me up the wall and this is what i mean when i say that i don't really care about canon like like i get that canon and continuity is important to the degree that it creates rules of the universe so you understand, like, the dramatic stakes,
1: right? Maybe maybe some coherence as well so you can follow from right. A to B to C right, to Right, exactly, whatever. exactly.
0: So you understand why things mean things, right? Yeah. Uh, but the idea that, like, you would be so faithful to canon to the degree that you would not, like, fudge something or justify something in order to tell a really good story or get a really, like, meaty, dramatic moment that, like, shows you something about these characters that you'd never seen, Mm -hmm. the idea that you would close yourself off from writing something like that or depicting something like that in order to, like, make it so the editors on Wikipedia don't have to change anything, right? Yeah. Like, it's just, like, the whole reason, it seems to me, why these fictional universes are worthwhile to keep on telling new stories in is because the weight of them really allows you to say some really interesting weighty things, right? Someone gives you the keys to like a really expensive sports car, and you're so afraid of scratching it that you follow the speed limit or drive less than the speed limit. This analogy is kind of falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> you're, but you're, I think you know yeah, what I'm talking about. You're circling, yeah. it's just not landing the plane. But, but No, no, yeah. no. Somebody gives you the keys, and you're not using the car for the
1: whole reason it exists. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I it's it's like you're just like uh, taking a ride around the block going under the speed limit instead of letting loose and for what the car is made for type of thing. No, and I mean
0: uh, I'm, I'm with you. I this is I, I can say that, and I know it's not for everybody. For me, I'm I know I'm carrying my own baggage into this because whenever I see them start to break canon, I start to go, okay, but what else are you going to break? Like as much as I love, love, love Rogue One, it drives me nuts that they jump to hyperspace before they leave the planet, and the reason I when uh, when <clears throat> when Jeddah is being destroyed by uh, by the Death Star. And the, they're in, they're in Cassian's U wing and, uh, you know, the horizon is gone and they Mm -hmm. jumped hyperspace without punching anything in. It drives me nuts because they're the ones who created hyperspace in the first place. Like the makers of star Wars created hyperspace, including interdictors. And what interdictors do is they create a gravity well, and that's what sucks ships out of hyperspace. That's why you can't jump directly to, or from a planet. It has to be outside of the gravity well. And so it, it's again, Mm. it doesn't ruin the movie or anything for me, but it bothers me that I'm going like, you you couldn't just get them out of there. It had to be so close that you broke this canonical thing that you created. And so like, it just, it just sort of bugs me in the back of my head. It's a really tiny thing. So when they break canon, I go, that may not have bothered me. Are they going to do a thing that will bother me and not necessarily ruin it for me? That's too much for me personally. Mm but enough that it bothers me that I go, ah, like the Vader thing, I talked about this in our episode three recording. It bothered me that Vader seemed to let them escape because what had, what happened with, um, oh, Tala with Tala shooting, and then there's more fire. And now he can't reach Obi-Wan while the loader droid is very slowly dragging him away. Um, I still haven't seen a resolution that makes me go, oh, Vader did that on purpose. It doesn't ruin the series for me, bothers me when I think there was a solution, I guess. So I, for me personally, again, I know that's not everybody, but I think that's my concern when I see them break canon is I go, okay, that didn't necessarily bother me, but does that mean they're going to do something that will? And that's just me carrying my own baggage.
1: I hear yeah. that. I hear that. Uh, no, it's I like hear that in, too. Sometimes, like, I have a few thoughts. Like, sometimes uh, they'll introduce something like, uh, I don't know, like in Last Jedi, you'll see, like, when the star destroyer ship is like firing at the rebel capital ship the yeah. lasers are arc. the lasers are arcing like yes. bullets yeah and then so you so you're watching it and you're like huh and then you're like and, you, and then like and it kind of takes you out of it a little bit because it, you start thinking of like the implications like wait are they not lasers are they are they affected by gravity and like right, so, right. so it's yeah, like the, ship's, and the they, ship and the they, ship they ship never does that,
0: do that. starts tumbling backward and i'm like that's not how space it's works. like
1: but, it but even tumbled. then like it's like after eight movies and a million cartoons and stuff like that they never and then you're like oh okay but at the same time like i just push right by that because you know there's no sound in space there's no explosions in space like none of these things make sense it's it's fantasy so i'm totally cool with it uh but to go back to what you were saying um josh about like um continuity and stuff like that i think there's this level of um prequel fans in particular when you said this person never has seen revenge of the Sith*, i think they're becoming like um the way original trilogy fans were about the prequels prequel Mm. fans are now becoming that way about new stuff so they're like this is not like the thing that i've remembered why is this not like the thing that i remembered and they're livid just like the way (laughs) original trilogy fans were about the prequels i think you're exactly right i think you're right and it's just one of the scenes where it's like, dude, did you even watch the prequels? Because continuity was broken willy-nilly. Like, Qui-Gon yeah. Jinn existed as a character to just break continuity.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: And all these things. And, like, you know, Leia is like, I remember my mom's like, dude, she died the moment you were born. <laughs> like, and, and it's just like uh, all these things. But at the same time, it's like, who gives a fuck, you know, as long as it doesn't break the story. Like, Qui-Gon Jin doesn't break the story of exactly, Star Wars. Ex- exactly. Leia exactly. remembering her mom doesn't that's, break the story. That's and a good he, That's
0: a good way to put it. That's
1: yeah, a good and, way to put it. As long as it doesn't break the story. And everything that's happening, like, when they say, like, um, what about that line, last I saw you, I was a learner, now you're the master. It's like, I think they literally want either no scenes with Obi-Wan and Vader, or they want a scene of, like, a fight that's just like the prequels, and they want the rev- they want the revelation that's, to be just like a prequel revelation. That's a hundred percent.
0: You're a hundred percent right because this you know? was the complaint about Luke in Last Jedi. Right? This is not the Luke. This is not the Luke we should be yeah. seeing. So you're absolutely yeah. right.
1: Well, and so it's, it's just like, a, too- and and even then, Luke doesn't break the story. It's just right. He's different, you know. Yeah. What's interesting too is that I think
0: they literally have Obi Wan say in the flashback. To Anakin, this is why you are still a Padawan or something like that, right? So in the way yeah, that it's like, basically says exactly. that for as long as you're willing to, um it's basically along the lines of like, as long as you you keep making this mistake, you will, yeah, like yeah. you're still a Padawan. So yeah, so and then like you're, so you're, in the
1: you're so concentrating on winning that, on winning, like that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And, and, <laughs> and then he and uh you mentioned this earlier in uh, in this episode, Chris, but like what makes Anakin still look good. that scene in the flashback is that you see this like understanding on his face and you see this naive look in his face credit to Hayden Christensen for acting and and emoting and and you get the idea that like he wants to know and he looks at Obi-Wan like oh I still have a lot to learn and then ironically he does not learn this lesson because it's the same lesson that he loses with at the end of this episode which is beautiful uh, storytelling right there
0: (laughs) yeah let's talk about the flashback for a sec I thought it was really cool, if not entirely unexpected, that we saw a flashback to, I guess this must be circa Attack of the Clones or at least not that far after Attack of the Clones oh, because of the hair. I think it's style before
1: the... because he still has oh, both of his bo- hands. Oh,
0: yeah. good point. Good point. He still has both of his hands. He still yeah. has both hands, and this is why I'm not writing Star Wars because I would break continuity. I would have Anakin with his hands uh, during Revenge of the Sith, and I wouldn't know. And I would, well, I that's would. Because you never watched Revenge of the Sith, Josh.
1: Yeah, yeah I watched. could be wrong, but I think he had both uh, human skin looking hands. No, in that scene. no, you're absolutely right. Absolutely no, that, was, that was the
0: impression that I got as well. Yeah. I thought it was great. I really loved the way the episode was kind of structured around those flashbacks. So we understand the way that Obi-Wan understands Anakin. Um, Mm -hmm. Though I think it was framed as this is something, I don't know if this was like necessarily an active memory so much as like an illustration of why they know these things about each other, right? Exactly. Like you
1: kind of see the first when they cut to the present, they cut to Vader as if maybe he was thinking about that duel, which is interesting because he doesn't learn anything from it. But I think to your point, the episode is just trying to say like, this is how they exactly the other here's why
0: they think. know. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Or the thing he learned from it was just, I, I hate losing. I hate it. And <laughs> it, it makes yeah, me. No, that's mean, true. And yeah. he thinks about how embarrassing it was because Obi-Wan is weaponless. He's weaponless. He's beaten and he, yeah. He, Anakin still loses so
1: yeah uh, awesome choreography by the way a I love how Hayden Christensen hasn't lost a step like the yeah. way he twirls that thing around it's like oh that's just like old school Anakin and I and kudos to the choreographer to put him in the old school moves but on top of that I also like how they put in some Vader shit too like when when yeah one-handed on one shit beat, he's going whack yeah. whack yeah. and he's just hitting he's like hammering it down And then he's like, you can see the desperation on Anakin's face where he's like, just admit that you lost, you know, like, and it's like, oh, that's some Vader shit coming out in him. But it's under the guise of like a super eager Anakin, which still uh, works very much for the character.
0: The other subtle thing that I liked about it, both in the flashback and also what it leads Obi-Wan to do and say in the present is when he says that there are ways to fight without weapons. Yes. Uh, which, you know, is really reminiscent of in Star Wars when he says there are alternatives to fighting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a really um, good line. There were a couple of really, really good lines in here.
1: Yeah, yeah, and um, It's also a little bit of evocative, too, of when Yoda tells Luke before he goes into the cave. Uh, exactly. I thought the same thing. Yeah, You don't need them. Like, it's not every conflict needs to be about killing, you know? Right.
0: No, and not only that, but also in that same... Scene when Luke asks him what's in there, he says only what you Whatever. take with you. Exactly, yeah. and and it's sort of like if you bring a gun with you, you will probably you will get use into it. a
1: gunfight. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, and Obi Wan was smart enough to know that. Like, I probably can't beat him in a duel right now, but I can outwit him because what all he's thinking about is just is brute force, and I am, yeah. and he's beyond that. You know. Yeah. So one thing also, Chris, to speak
0: to what you spoke about in part three that you just mentioned about you know it kind of seems like Vader lets him go i do think we're going to see one more head to head confrontation between them in the next episode i agree and i kind of feel like he saw how weak he had become and like I kind of feel like he doesn't want to defeat that obi-wan he wants to uh, give obi-wan a chance to get you uh, think to get up to his fighting weight You think this is a hook moment with a little bit and like and Robin Williams has three days to train and become a (laughs) A little bit. And I mean, like you look at Obi-Wan last episode at the Inquisitor's Fortress. I'm not going to call it Fortress Inquisitorious because I just feel strange saying that. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, like we got some glimpses of the prequel Obi-Wan. And in this episode, I think he's even transcending the prequel Obi-Wan a little bit and moving into that sort of original trilogy, Obi-Wan, where he doesn't even need he doesn't even need the weapons to fight because he he knows other ways to fight. Right. So I think maybe when they confront each other in the next episode, which, by the way, I know we're skipping around a little bit. I'm really excited for next week uh, because uh, they sort of resolved all the main stories, uh, more or less. And I have no idea. And yeah. I have no idea what's gonna happen. Yeah. I no, I'm I'm with you. I I I'm right there with you. I thought the flashback was was really well done. Um it didn't sometimes when they do flashbacks like that, especially when you when you know it's coming and you you see them start the fight, it's like, all right, we know this is gonna be interwoven throughout the episode. Yeah. Um sometimes mm-hmm. with that predictability, you're kind of like, okay, so how much time is left in the episode? Like another two minutes of this flashback? Ah, that's gonna eat into blah, blah, blah. Like I did not feel that at all which was great. I just thought it was really, really well paced. Uh, I'm with you, John. I thought the choreography was was great. We got some Anakin, but also some Vader. Um, it was, I thought it was great. And again, it it brought in some really nice lines. Uh, to me, though, mm. the best line for sure is, you aren't bringing him to me, I'm bringing him to you. Yeah, that I was, was just going to bring that up. Oh, it gave me chills. It gave yeah, me that chills. Was, that line was so yeah. good. Yeah, that was uh, really, really good. What
1: what what I love about that line and the lead up to it is that um, because Obi Wan's not just playing chess with Vader; he's playing chess with Riva, right? And then so when he when he figures out through that really cool conversation through the door that uh, she is not serving Vader but she wants to kill him, he earnestly, I think, reaches out to her and is like, "Look, like, yes, we should join sides because, like, kind of maybe there's still some hope in her that like she's just misguided." but then he quickly realizes that he doesn't have enough time to do that because she's on a war path and she's still trying to kill everybody. So then he uses her as bait. And I like, I like how like
0: stop him. He knows that.
1: Yeah. And, and so I liked how it seemed in my impression that when he first offered her to join sides, he meant it as a good guy. Like, honestly, like come back to the light, like it's not too late. And then when she's like, fuck you died. He's like, okay. I'm s- now I'm just going to use you as bait and I don't care if you die now. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, so plan when he B. says, a, when he says plan B, so when he says a line to her, there is like this look on Ewan McGregor's face where it's almost like when, when Lucas is talking to Jabba and he's like, all right, well, if you don't free him, I'm going to kill you. So when Obi-Wan says that to her, yes. it's like, now nope, that was a threat. He's like, yeah." Right. he's like, you're probably going to die today. Because I'm bringing him to you. Play your game very well. It was a warning to her. I love that.
0: it's such a good quote. No, yeah, that was such an awesome line and such an awesome moment and just really goes to show, like, how, like, what kind of game Obi-Wan is playing and how good he is at this. You know, there's a reason why he's he's a general, right?
1: Mm-hmm. He's all up about um, the strategy. And also, yeah. I love the, uh, I love the, um uh, it's just like a, a a little moment thing. I love little moments that just can increase yes. uh, the urgency of an instance. And I remember uh, when she cuts through the door, and he didn't expect it. And then mm. they start coming in, and just the urgency that you and McGregor screams out to everybody like, "Get back!" And he's like, "Get into the yeah. position." Like, like I just like kind of like I was talking about the last episode, people finding their breaking point. He didn't break, but like I just love the honesty of a situation where he wasn't trying to act cool or act tough. It was like shit's happening right now. Like get ready, you know. Almost yeah, like when Han, was, like no, when Han tells yeah. Luke and and Leia to get be, get behind me, get behind me before the stormtroopers break in. In the first yeah, yeah.
0: Movie. Mm. It had you that know.
1: same sort of like urgency to it.
0: Especially because it does. It really impacts. It was. It, it, I think they needed that in order for the loss of Tala and the the loader droid, the lifter mm-hmm. droid, to really to really need oh. something. Because it did. It it watching. The the loader droid was really nicely done. Not a single yeah. word of dialogue and no like real affection, just protection. Like, done mm-hmm. even better, I thought, than like K2's sacrifice in robe one. Like, just yeah, but without I, I one's was... desperation, it doesn't work
1: exactly. And I thought that was a beautiful moment where, uh, the last thing the loader droid does is just use his body to protect, uh, Tala, right? And, and then, Tala, you, and then talking Tala's about, face you're... just looks. Heartbroken when she sees that. Yeah, you
0: know? the, the, the talking about lightsaber glow. I think it's, is it Murray yeah. who loves lightsaber glow? Yeah, he
1: loves the lightsaber yeah. glow. Yeah. I love it too, but it's a, it it's, Murray's all about that. The,
0: the glow of the loaders, you don't even see the loader's eyes go dark. You just see the light on Tala Her and his eyes yeah. go dark. And mm-hmm. it was just, it was, it was just, it was a very nicely done moment. I didn't think it was overstated. I, it was really, really nicely done. Yeah, You know, the other thing that's really interesting too that I was struck by on my second watch of the episode was right after that, when Obi-Wan, the door closes and he runs into the hangar and he's made it to safety. And like, he kind of has a moment where he kind of really absorbs the loss. It like really affects him. Like he's so sick of people dying. Yeah. Yeah. He's sick of the shit. Yeah, Yeah. He's just like, and it's interesting too. I mean, this is probably a, a stretch um uh, but it's sort of like that scene when reva cuts through the door and the stormtroopers charge in like that firefight is in such close quarters it's so hectic it's sort of hard to even see through like the like fog of war or whatever like just like you mm-hmm. know it's like watching a it. like, movie yeah <laughs> like yeah. where it's like no you're fighting i have no idea what you're doing we're transformers the michael bay transformers where it's like well things happening but i don't know what it is yeah, but I thought that, though, this was an example of them using that with intention, how outmatched and outgunned they are, mm-hmm. and how how frantic it is. And the fact that that's how, how Tala dies, and he has that little moment, it almost makes me think of what's sort of become a meme, but in A New Hope, when Obi-Wan is talking about the lightsaber as a civilized weapon for a more civilized age, you know, before the empire, before the clone wars, even when it was like, just like a meat grinder of warfare. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Anyway, that's what that made me think of. I just think that's a, that's a good assessment. And it's the, the horror of, he thought he was done with the horror of war and turns out he's not, he's not done Mm -hmm. with the horrors of war after all.
1: Yeah. And I think it also translates to, uh, in between his first conversation with Rebo and the second conversation is when Tala dies. So with mm, that extra bite, he's like, true. fuck you. I don't care if Vader chops your head off, God that's damn it. That's a really good, <laughs> good point. You know? That's, so, a, good, that's good point. a really good point. No, that's yeah. a really good point. And also, uh, I guess since we're kind of close to the topic, but Vader, uh, yet again, like, you see a lot of Anakin and the way that he rushes down the hallway yeah. to get the Obi-Wan. And then to, like, I feel like this was, like, another Rogue One moment where, like, in Rogue One, it was like, okay, we've never really seen Vader just like rip into good guys and, and he does. And then this one, it's like, we all know that Anakin's super powerful with the force. And then he's then when he stops the ship, you're like, holy shit. And then he just it like was, rips the walls off of it. Yeah, like he rips like, the walls off. And he he's like yelling so like arr, arr, when he does it, it. Was and you're so like, badass. You're like, yeah, this is another illustration of what Vader can do and like the Empire Strikes Back by showing vader's power you get to realize how hopeless is a conflict is to duel him so immediately right. after that Reva's was like yeah i'll try to kill you and it's like oh girl you're this is I, not gonna be I your day like, <laughs> <It's, laughs>
0: you know? so badass and the fact that obi-wan like anticipated anakin's power and was able mm-hmm. to do that but then when he stops riva's lightsaber mid-strike and slowly turns to her and yeah. we can get back to, to this later josh because i don't know if you wanted to get to this no. like now no man, oh, yeah. when he let's, slowly turn to her. I gotta say the fight between them was like heartbreaking and awesome because Riva's yeah. was just dead. But the fact that and the fact that Vader fights her without a weapon and yep. then he breaks her weapon in half and I hands her lightsaber he <laughs> so thoroughly beat her. Oh
1: oh yeah he's like so, he's really also, toying with her he's like come on yeah. like you, so, go this, let's, let's go, go. So, let's go <laughs> i'm actually glad that you brought
0: that up because i think that was also um something else that made me think that vader wants to fight an obi-wan that has a little more fight in him right right uh, yeah. because yeah. that's a good point uh, because he disarmed her he disarmed Riva. he could have killed her but he was like no i want to I want you to like, actually try. <laughs> I, I exactly. want to, want to th- so thoroughly. I think about it a lot when I'm watching like the hockey playoffs. There's always a moment in the series where a team loses its spirit and it might be a penalty. It might be a goal. It might be a, 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 a there any number of things that you might go. Yeah. They're just, they're just going through the motions now. Mm. And that is clearly what Vader is trying to do to Riva is he wants to see that spark dead, gone, extinguished. He doesn't want to kill her while she's defiant. He wants to kill her when there's nothing left for her to leave.
1: Yes. He wants to, like Bane, he wants to break their spirit. Yes. And, uh, yep. and I feel like, because uh, they're very similar characters, I feel, but I love that moment where you just see the escalation of her frustration because first is single-bladed and then she puts on two blades and, and then, then and she does it, the spinny thing. She does the spinny thing and then Vader walks towards her like she's not spinning anything. And yeah. then he just goes whoop whoop yeah he just whoop, and he just stops it, it. and you see yeah. the look on her face it's like it's not panic but you can tell that she's just like fuck like this' yeah. like she's just she's so frustrated like the way a child can get frustrated. I love all of it.
0: Speaking of, and this is something that I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on. So, so in that moment, and speaking of her being like a child, I thought it was very affecting how when vader kills her she sees anakin and Mm -hmm. we see what she looked like as a child um history repeating itself all over that's why that's why i said it was heartbreaking it was no it it really was heartbreaking the other no it was tough to watch the other thing that i thought was heartbreaking was when reva and obi-wan are talking through the door and reva explains how she knows anakin is vader and obi-wan realizes that she was at the Jedi Temple. So I don't think that we recorded this, but John, we were talking off air a few weeks ago where I hypothesized when we were speculating about the relationship between Reva and Anakin, and we were speculating maybe he spared her life because they were going to recruit some young Jedi to turn to the dark side. Sure. and turn into inquisitors combined with we saw the frozen jedi and uh, one of them was a child and i'm thinking okay so maybe we're gonna find out that anakin didn't slaughter children but this episode um they show him <laughs> yeah no they yeah. they they went where revenge of the sith right did not go
1: kind of, ostensibly three kids
0: you see him yeah. murder three children yeah So that whole theory went out the window. But then the line that Reva has where she explains how she survived, she pretended to be dead and she hid Mm -hmm. among the bodies. That was.
1: And that just made.
0: No, and that just made me think of the unfortunate reality that we live in, where that's a thing that happens in school shootings, where sometimes Mm -hmm. where children actually do that. We We just had that with one girl who said that she she put her dead friends blood on her. Yeah. Yeah, So so it's something that I've been thinking for for a few weeks um, as we've been discussing this show and something that really hit me watching this episode in that moment. And also at the the end where you see Riva find the recording where Bail Organa is talking about Uh, the the children and stuff. And this is something that I've been thinking about for a few weeks now watching this show, and I've been trying to figure out how to articulate it. But the whole thing with the massacring of the young Jedi at the Jedi Temple during Order 66 and how we've been revisiting that, how that trauma made Reva the person that she is when Obi-Wan was talking a few weeks ago about how he was taken from his parents when he was a child. To be trained as a jedi and how they keep talking about the children right and even to the degree where luke and leia are also kind of being used as these secret weapons to hopefully overthrow the emperor one day and all of this has been swirling around in my head and it like really makes me think of how children are being used to wage this ideological war And Tala said in this episode, she was recalling how when she worked as an Imperial officer and they rounded up these families who were Force-sensitive and they executed them, including six children. It's been making me think of the war on trans children that has been escalating in the past few years. And the way that they are really being used to kind of wage an ideological war. Like they're sort of a front sort of in this larger cultural war. And I'm not really crescendoing to any sort of a point here beyond seeing all of this. That's where my mind has been going. And I'm just wondering if you guys have any thoughts or reactions about all of that. It's like, I just, I keep hearing them talking about the children and like... Well, like, I...
1: Uh... I I think, as we said before about all the other Star Wars movies, how Star Wars, the original trilogy is, you know, has all these like allusions to World War II and Vietnam and uh, fascism and stuff like that. And this goes into uh, modern times too, not even just with the Obi-Wan show, but I I remember when the sequel trilogy came out, I remember describing that Kylo Ren. As, like, a incel mass shooter sort of type of guy. And, um, uh, Josh, and, I had
0: exactly the same conversation when we, yeah, first over that. Yeah,
1: exactly. And so, uh, and he has this like, uh, perverted idea of the past and stuff like that. So I feel like, you know, obviously these shootings happened, um, after they shot the show, because I don't think they would have, uh, necessarily written those scenes after, uh, afterward. However, Absolutely. Star Wars is is usually on the pulse of what's happening. And um, I don't necessarily think they're making a distinct point about a specific subject as much as they're just saying to, to what you were saying, Josh, which I completely agree 100%, is that we are now considering the idea of active trauma on kids and how that affects their future and how people use kids as pawns or weapons and ideological conflicts. And um, I think this is just another illustration of that. I do think that uh, both sides will probably try to skew that Star Wars perspective into whatever they feel their ideology is. But that being said said, though, it's just reality that like kids are collateral damage in all of these conflicts of uh, philosophies. And Star oh, Wars is yeah. really getting into the meat of that right now.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, to be clear, I'm almost sure that n- none of this was by conscious design. Though I do think that it's you know, the product of the culture that's creating it. And even though they that's obviously what we had, live in now, yeah, know? and obviously you know they had no idea that Uvaldi would happen right before the show premiered. Mm-hmm. But I mean. Let's be real, though. Mass shootings at schools have been reality for for decades now. So, well, I mean, so, it's not like it's not in yeah. the ether.
1: No, no, no. That's, that's what I'm saying. And so, uh, uh, as I mentioned before with Kyler Ren and, and with Star Wars Now, it's like, this is just reality. The reality is that kids are targets for uh, terrible, terrible atrocities that um, our own citizens perpetrate onto them you know yeah, this I isn't mean, some foreign invader coming in to kill anyone that's like not of the same uh nationality that they are these are just these are people killing their own anakin's right. killing his own and, and in america we not we as an us but like there are people out there who are killing their own fellow americans and their kids so yeah there's there's a huge allegory to this yeah, yeah. And i mean
0: it's also interesting too the degree to which and I don't know that it ever really hit me in such a visceral way because I don't think we'd never seen this particular moment of the history of the Star Wars galaxy or whatever. But this idea that not just the Jedi themselves, but everyone who is force sensitive has become the terrifying other that totalitarian governments have successfully Weaponized and created as the boogeyman throughout history. I don't ever I think what really hit me was how they keep talking about it's not just the Jedi that they're hunting, it's also just anyone who they deem to be force sensitive. And and like who even knows what the hell that actually means? I mean, you can just say, hey, I saw him. I saw him float a rock. Right. That's right. Right. That's, that's fascist exactly...
1: society. That's that's Nazism. That's right. like it's not just Jews. It's gypsies. It's disabled people. It's anybody that thought that it's communists. It's, it's whatever. It's anybody that doesn't go with their ideology. They got to go. You know? I think it's
0: it's what you said, John. It's it's this is the world that would just the world that we live in now. Josh, I, I I think for me, some of the stuff about the kids. uh, I didn't quite uh, latch on to, for me personally, I didn't, I didn't quite uh, define it uh, in terms of the war on trans kids. Although I think that is one of the most, most current ones that's going on right now. So for me, I, I kept going back to, so, I mean, I do think it was intentional, Um but it was hard for me to not see the Nazi parallels because for me, th- those dead lightsabers were just shoes. They yeah. were just the pairs of shoes that you see at, yeah. at, you know, uh, Auschwitz at, at the, uh, Stad, Right. The, so, uh, the same with the robes. And then of course, Tala talks about just following orders, but that, that war on children and how children are used, I think is, you know, I think, I think you both make some really excellent points and it's hard for me not to walk away with, with, you know, I thought Lola was a really, really nice touch because she, I say she, but the droid Lola demonstrates the risk of attachment and how the dark side and the empire will absolutely pervert people's attachments to do harm, right? Because Lola leads them back and then Lola also traps them, right? So, so that the, the, her Leia's attachment to that droid is what screws them over and leads to this bad situation in the first place. And it's what the empire and the dark side do best in, and we going back to what Yoda says, well, you know, what's going to be in there only what you take with you. It's oh, the dark side in the empire don't just operate in a vacuum. They always pervert your attachments and your intentions. And I think that's what we're seeing with the children, right? Is we're seeing this notion of this is why you indoctrinate kids. This is why you otherize children. This is why the kids are always, always, always going to be a pawn, whether it's in physical, actual, literal war or ideological war is that, frankly, they are extremely They're extremely effective weapons when they're used either way. Um, Well, yes, both sides. So, because, so for the same reason why, when you have that first generation of children who live under the new regime, they're not able to fight it nearly as effectively because they don't know anything else. Right. So, like, so the thing that I find a little bit, um, I believe icky is the technical term, is that basically obi-wan and yoda are using luke and leia in the exact same way though though yeah. i mean though i mean not to say that like they are 100 percent equivalent because i don't think both sides are the same i don't think it's i don't think it's as it's as it's as simple as that i think that that's reductive but it does make me feel kind of weird
1: no yeah. i mean I think uh, you're
0: right We you see this see this is where i think the parallel can be drawn very very well to trans kids is right. that you have the conservatives who talk about, you know, talk about all the harm that's done to children, that they would even think that, you know, they're a boy, they think they're a girl or they're a girl and they think they're a boy. And this is where the world is coming to when they can't even tell which is which, right. But then you've got on the other, other side of the coin, you have all of us liberals and a lot of us have no problem, um, elevating certain trans kids while uh, you know, while oppressing other trans kids, you know, when we're talking about, about trans kids of color versus trans white kids, um, you know, do they, do they fit our notion of what is, who wants, who's going to be our poster child. Right. And so I don't think the sides are equal, but a hundred percent, you have these kids being used by both sides. They're being weaponized by both sides. And even though I do tend to think that generally, you know, uh, in, in this particular situation, the the liberals are better. The liberal agenda is better for trans kids. That is not to say that it doesn't harm trans kids and use them and and ultimately deploy them for towards an agenda that does not necessarily serve them. Yeah, I mean, um, I think I get what you're saying. I'm not 100 percent sure I agree, though I have to be honest and say that I am reaching the limits of what I feel like I'm qualified to uh, sure. Sure. I'm yeah. Uh,
1: about. Well, to to bring it back to uh, Luke and Leia and the kids and Obi-Wan and all that, <clears throat> um, there's something to be said about the journey of Obi-Wan as a character from even not just the last set of movies to A New Hope, but to, to go from the, the first episode of the series to now. And I think when he's talking to Owen and he's like, you know, Luke's getting older now, he's got to be trained. That's an old school idea of all he knows. And yeah. then I have a feeling by the end of this show, Obi-Wan's going to be totally cool with the idea of just not training Luke until Luke discovers him and wants to be trained when he's ready. And think that right. that's a big, that's a big character growth because at no point yeah. is, is Alec Guinness being like, look, look, I need to train you. Like, he's just like, I mean, if you want, you know, like that yeah. type of thing. And he on says, top you of must that, do
0: what you feel is right. Yeah, of course.
1: Exactly. And that he, he needs to learn that, which I think he's learning as the show goes. And um and I think this kind of goes along with like yet again more of that Qui-Gon philosophy being a maverick, not going with the dogma. And so when we talk about liberals, conservatives, this, that, whatever, uh, what do what's appropriate for kids, I think what a lot of people forget in almost every single ideological debate about anything. Is that most things come down to an individual case by case basis, you know? But sure. people like to hang their entire cause on one thing to prove everything, you know? Right, because it's easier. They, exactly, yeah. it's it, and it's almost like it's it's kind of reductive a little bit. So it's like so, oh, totally. it was appropriate for one person is not appropriate for the other person. And it's not even just about controversial things. This is also talking about mundane things. You know, what's good what's a good car for you is not a good car for him. So right. like this food uh, so,
0: for you. It's Yeah. It's so no
1: one would no one ever say like everyone should buy a Prius. No, everyone should everyone should buy a truck. You know, but yet again we we talk about you know uh complicated things like that. And it's like the long story short, to bring it back to Star Wars again. I think Obi-Wan's going to have some sort of self-discovery where he's getting away from that dogma, whatever that dogma is, whether well, of... intentions or not. I think he's going to be like, you know, like, fuck it. Who cares? If Luke grows up to be 18, 19 years old and he seeks me out and he's ready, then that will be the time I will train him instead of he being like, he's too old. old. He's too old.
0: Right. Obi-Wan needs to come to a similar conclusion that, that mm-hmm. Yoda reached, which is that just because this is how the Jedi have always done it and just because we use the light side of the Force does not mean these are binary yeah. situations and binary solutions are, are can often cause unintentional harm. Um, yeah, I mean... It, this is, this yeah. is not necessarily wisdom.
1: The dude is literally wearing gray in these episodes as he's getting wiser, and I'm not into the whole gray... I'm not even talking about gray Jedi canon because, whatever, fuck, sure. I don't give a shit. But it's no, but more it's not about, black like, and white exactly life is not black and white and like like i we were talking about in the last uh episode or so um obi-wan's attachments are making him stronger you know and so uh there's something to be learned here and i i just feel like this all kind of ties in with all of that is what i'm trying to say
0: no for sure and i feel like one of the things that's so interesting to me about this story and about Star Wars in general is the way that this story that is supposed to be one long story was kind of written backwards and inside out and clutched together when things don't necessarily make sense. And the most interesting sort of chasm that exists is this space in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, where you literally have the furthest evolution of the thinking and understanding of what star wars was by george lucas its creator butting right up against the sort of primordial version of star wars before it knew what it was right so and these two th- things are supposed to go seamlessly together when you know in reality they couldn't be the two pieces of star wars that are farther apart right so sure. so it's so interesting to see this show try to do something. And I mean, arguably a lot of these shows like the Andor show, Mm -hmm. I think is going to do something similar where it's picking up the two ends of this chasm and sort of like seeing what it can do in there to tell an interesting and vital story that makes it feel like it's of it's of a piece with the whole and i know i keep saying this but for me one of the most amazing things about this show was they showed me a moment that now seems so vital and so like how could you have star wars without having this moment as a part of the story that i didn't even know i wanted yes which was seeing obi-wan learn that anakin is still alive and is still Vader and seeing them have that confrontation because the confrontation that they have in A New Hope does not satisfy what is set up in revenge of the sith when you see them see each other again for the first time since revenge of the sith you need a little more than the duel that we have in star wars but it's all yeah, those because points, right because john you talked about this you talked about this earlier in this episode you talked about how for you it's it's all these moments and in the previous episode that you guys recorded you know you talked about how lovely that moment is between uh, in in episode four the lovely of the moment between Obi-Wan and Leia, just, just holding hands on the transport. And for me, you know, we haven't, we've mentioned it, but like, God, I feel like we haven't talked enough about the acting because you're right. Hayden Christensen has done some in, in when we've seen him, he's done some really nice work. Ewan McGregor, although this is not a surprise has done oh. some really nice work. I got to tell you, Moses Ingram, I, there were moments where I was like, I, I want to see her get a little more. I can't, I can't quite get a handle on what her. Her ranges because there's a lot of anger there, but I mm. got to tell you that moment, her reaction when Vader in the beginning of this episode, when Vader at, tells her to kneel and mm. she's going and in my mind, what I could see on her face is this, this, this restrained excitement because either she's going to be promoted or she's going to be killed. It could be yep. either one of those things. And so the moment of looking at her, like just her expression really did it for me. So I, I agree with what you're saying, Josh, I I'm getting these, 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 um, moments from the story that I didn't realize that I needed. But John, going back to what you were saying, those moments really make everything else work. They make everything else go because I was talking to James offline today. And he was saying that some people have been nitpicking about, um, you know, there's not enough depth to Reva's character. And I'm like, I I disagree. disagree. Um, But moments like that make me go I don't think I just disagree. I think you are incorrect. I think (laughs) they're right. Because I think that sometimes you can watch, um, uh, watch uh, some, whether it's acting or writing and subjectively you might go, all right, I could see why you'd say that. I disagree with you, but sure. And then objectively there are moments where I go, no, objectively you're wrong. You may not like Mm -hmm. what they did, but this was a fine bit of acting. And I don't know if you feel similarly about any of that, John.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. This reminds me of a funny little, uh, <laughs> kind of a joke my friend said in the past. But uh, I, I knew someone that didn't like the Rolling Stones, and one of my best friends was talking to him. He's like, "Hey, man, everybody has their opinion, but you're wrong," um, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. But, anyways, <laughs> uh, connected to that though, I think this kind of goes along with like what prequel fans expect because I don't think people that are of the OT generation. Uh, think this way about Riva, I I think, I I think I could be projecting, but I think um, this could be a prequel thing where in the prequels, uh, like it or hate it, people in in that series kind of said what they thought, you know?
0: Sure, Um, sure. And the nuance
1: kind of, the the nuance wasn't quite there. And now we're back in the day of nuance. So like, I think people are like, I don't get it. She doesn't have enough range. And it's like, you're not paying attention to her facial tics, her body, her tone of voice, her inflection. She says a lot by the, with the narrow tunnel that she has of her dialogue, she does the most she can with it, which I think she's doing really well. Like I was saying last episode, when she goes to torture Leia, it's clear she's not, she's not enjoying it, you know? And then this episode, when, uh, you know when Obi Wan realizes that she's not serving Vader, she's hunting him. Uh, you can see the fear and sadness in her, in her face and her delivery when she's like, "You know, I lost the only family that I knew." Uh, yes, and, and you were supposed to there. Where were you? Yeah, where were you? And she's almost like she's saying that like a like a child to yeah. her to a, a father or something like that. Like, where were you? Like, you were supposed to save me. And then when Obi-Wan keeps talking, she's like, stop, stop, enough, enough. Like, right. like it's, it's, that's range, man. Like there's a lot yes. in there. And even I when really he's. really thought which, about
0: that, but I think you make a really good point about what they expect from their actors. Cause I do know that yes. like there are times when you're, when you're watching acting. I, I remember when I was teaching some students about comedy and I was explaining the idea that like, you know, not everybody's funny in every moment. One of you has to be the straight man in this moment. And I showed them who's on first and they weren't quite following what made it funny. They couldn't understand why both actors weren't equally taking up space. It's like, that's, that's not how it works. You as an actor, you have to create negative space for other actors to exist in. Um, I think that's a really, really good point though, that you've made that I hadn't really considered before, but yeah, this is, you might be right. This may just be what they are expecting from their acting. And so they're looking at this going like, there's not enough range. Meanwhile, we're looking at it going like, that's really impressive. I like the work yeah, she's like-
1: like from day one i was like yo moses is fucking killing it and then no i mean not only they that come though, out and they like, say that and i'm like what are you like it's like it's like they wanted to look at the camera and be like this is what i think and it's like no, That's I mean not, not only it's not interesting you know
0: i mean not only that though it's like when i saw that first episode and i was reading the discourse around the character and they were saying all the things about her that they didn't like as a character like i mean Even the people who were like trying to separate Moses Ingram's performance from the character, like they were saying, like she's so arrogant, like who does she think she is? You know, like she's like she's (laughs) impulsive. And I'm like, you mean, you mean like Anakin Skywalker? (laughs) Like she's a mirror of Anakin Skywalker. Like she is literally, she has all the same qualities that Anakin had. Yes, it's like like,
1: are you are you blind? It's like she's supposed to be just like Darth Vader. Like that's yeah. And I mean, like that one one is a little
0: hard. That one is a little hard to unpack because like it's like it's like how much of it is like media literacy problems and how much of it is
1: is it misogyny is it literacy is it this is Is, what i was trying to mention before is it is it all of it (laughs) and yeah and (laughs) i I don't mean mean, it is all of it to backpedal a little bit like i don't want to shit on people that love the prequels i think it's a very beautiful thing that these prequel fans uh grew up and like kind of showed the world how valuable those movies are you know Um, but I, but I do think there is that. this is just a theory, but I do think there's that level of like the prequels are like on paper, tell you what everything is. And I think they expect more of that. Like, just tell me what it is. And no matter how complex it is, they can follow it, but they're just used to being told that compared to things that are said under the surface with like, not, you know, right. They're not looking for context. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the text. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think subtext is kind of like lost a little bit. No, I mean, that's and an it's...
0: interesting, that's an interesting theory. I mean, we could do a whole episode about that. I have a question. I want to hear what you guys think of this. I've read some people say that they think this show looks cheap. And I'm wondering what you guys think about that, because I think I understand what they're talking about about my Can you thing elaborate? Is, you, if you think you know what they're talking about would you mind elaborating please yeah well i mean the show i think is a little more limited in scope in terms of like how grand it is the scale of it which i think i i think i understand where that's coming from but my read on that is like you know there's a time and a place and i feel like this story this episode in particular they're underground and it's like it's very claustrophobic and not everything has to be sort of a cgi'd up environment yeah, with something some... going on in every frame like in the prequels like another thing that i read in several places was the duel between between obi-wan and vader in episode three a lot of people they didn't really like the locale it was sort of like a mine that didn't really mm-hmm. look that fantastic but that's kind of what i liked about it it's like they're they're fighting in the ruins of like you know that's this like burned out galaxy that that the empire is creating you know i I was just gonna say i think that to me that sounds like a fundamental misunderstanding of production and storytelling Mm -hmm. i think that you're talking about you know that's like watching the show carnival and going like it's cheap look at their clothes no no no. (laughs) Those, those are not that is not cheap production values that's like then you know somebody who goes uh, you know, is producing a play and goes, well, let's do uh, let's do steampunk. You basically just glue shit. No, 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 do not do steampunk on a budget because that's not how steampunk works. And so I get the, that to me sounds like a fundamental misunderstanding of not understanding uh, that fundamental misunderstanding of what goes into production and what goes into storytelling too, because not everything, you know, if you watch the, the first fight between Vader and Obi-Wan, maybe you're disappointed. Maybe you're disappointed that Obi-Wan doesn't put up more of a fight. You thought that should have been a better duel. The choreography is not meant to, this is when choreography is is done poorly. It's not meant to just look cool. Choreography, fight choreography should always advance the story. And that's what each fight so far has done. And I feel the same way about where these stories are being told. So the idea that this is somehow cheap or something, I think that that betrays a fundamental lack of understanding with regards to how production works, but also what good storytelling is because when I was seven, I wanted every fight to be protracted and cool, cool looking. I mean, Josh, how many times did we film lightsaber fights in your backyard? And we tried to make (laughs) longer and just incorporate cool jumps and stuff. And like, but it wasn't telling a story, good choreography, good production. They contribute to storytelling, so that I I wholeheartedly disagree with that assessment. Go ahead, John.
1: Well, uh, you brought something up that I thought was a really good point. It was like, don't do steampunk on a budget, like, and you specifically said uh, a play, and I think people forget that there is a there is a big difference between uh, TV and film. Yes, they are technically both using maybe the same technology and cameras and stuff like that, but in film. You ostensibly have an infinite budget with infinite amount of time. If you're making a movie like, uh, and then when you're making a TV show, you don't. So I know what they're talking about, but to me, it's because it's just the nature of TV. For instance, in this episode, um, you know, they're in the underground cave and everything like that location location, whatever, it's not about the location, but everything's kind of lit like they're on a stage. And the lighting of that environment is not dynamic. It's all kind of, I don't know, flat or static or something like that. And um, that's because of the nature of the way that they had to shoot it. Uh, But, you know, given the volume, like we were talking about this last episode with the limitations of what the volume can and cannot do, um, I think they probably did the best that they could. Maybe if they spent more time having you know uh single beams of light and noir setups and dynamic and like shadow depth of feel the uh, focus and like all these things it would translate better but they don't have the time likewise you're talking about the josh you're talking about the dual the dual in the mining area a lot of these shots in the show especially in the last episode very hand uh handheld kind of in your face you know that is its own aesthetic uh which is valid and i feel like maybe people wouldn't have thought that way about the mind fight if they had a good two three nine aspect ratio david lane lawrence of arabia wide shot where luke and vader are really small on the frame kind of like ray in front of the star destroyer in the sand dune on Jakku, and you could be like wow look at this scope like i think those things are baked into our head because the original trilogy is inspired by Kurosawa and shit like that. The themes are still there in the show though. So I, I kind of look at Obi-Wan Kenobi as like watching Battlestar Galactica 20, uh, 2003. And that's very close handheld and stuff like that. And those aesthetics I love. This is just a different thing. So like yeah, if they were going to well, make a yeah. movie, it would look different than what they're doing now. And I just accept the fact that like, it's a TV show. It's not going to look like a movie. So there you go. Like, and I think they're they, I think they want like movie budget shit. Even if you watch the Marvel shows, like, they don't look like the Avengers because they're on that mark. They're on that TV budget because they, they yeah, can't the, they can't shoot eight episodes of like, you know, right. last Jedi budget shit. That's insane.
0: Yeah, and I mean, nine. I think both of you guys are right. I think for me, the limitations that you know maybe for some. It feels like this show is running up against in a negative way. For me, it's a really good marriage of the style matching the content. Like This is a nitty-gritty moment in the galaxy between the largesse and the opulence of the prequels, and that sort of wide-angle lens view of the galaxy and now we're zeroing in like getting in to what it's like on the ground for these people who are like really huddling mm-hmm. together underground in caves trying to hide from the boot or the fist of the empire right and the personalness of what's at stake here the galaxy isn't at stake it's like a handful of lives it's a handful mm-hmm. of people and it's about what's going on inside obi-wan and what's going on inside vader like i think using the flashback in this episode to basically explain the thought process of these two characters is not something you would do in a star wars movie
1: correct right, right. also awesome. so it's times just like a different they...
0: mode of storytelling and like for me it's like it just sort of matches it just sort of is what it is it works
1: yeah and I, as i said to chris earlier uh, when he made the allusion to a play it's like people forget that tv and film are different it's a different mode of storytelling like you said i mean the lines also, are
0: are blurring but that's certainly yeah, true like but it's uh, there's still a yeah.
1: distinction you know and yeah, on on top of that how many times in the show did deborah chow put a handheld camera right into you mcgregor's eyes to sell a moment and i could I could stare at an extreme close-up of Hugh McGregor all day because this shit that he's doing behind his eyes to emote his shock or, or his pain or his um uh, euphoria in the show is amazing. Like And, and they, they did it with the door where he's like, you're not serving him, you're hunting him. They did it when Tala dies and he gets on his knees and it's just in his face. And like you said before, it's like the toll of her death and like he's just sick of this shit. They did it when he found out that Anakin was still alive. Yeah. They do it when he's holding hands with Leia. Like, I mean,
0: they do it when he's watching he's they do it when he's watching Luke through the binoculars.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's from the right. trailer. Like it's yeah. just and you see like you see the crow's feet on his eyes, and they get him in there, and it's like, and this is a really intimate show. So it's like you sacrifice one thing for the other, you know? And sometimes, uh you know, you get someone like Michael Bay, who is all about the, the scope and the spectacle and all these things. And you get these mind-blowing sequences, but he might sacrifice a lot of the drama to get to those moments. And then so I, I really what this show is doing is like, this show is like, this is all about character and drama. Yes, there's some cool choreography and stuff like that. But they're as long as they are getting the drama and the character right, which is, I think, something that we've all been thirsting for. Uh, with Mm. these characters in particular, it's like, I'm willing to forego a bodacious, like X-wing battle in space. I'm (laughs) really,
0: the notion of, of the trade-off and sacrificing one thing for another, because I really appreciated that, that if they, and maybe they did it and I just didn't notice, but I did not see any evidence that they tried to make, um, Hayden Christensen look his uh, his proper age yeah i agree and i thought that was really did either i don't think they did anything yeah i don't think it's it's actually
1: better that way i think and it
0: was oh and i and i totally agree because while we while we look at it and go he clearly looks older we also get to see everything that's going on behind his eyes he gets an opportunity Mm -hmm. to to act and he's not acting through cgi of them trying to make him look younger because as good as as good as Tarkin looked for Rogue One, they were never, ever, and I don't think they were trying to because they knew they couldn't do it, but they never, ever could have gotten what Peter Cushing could do, right? With his his expressions and with his eyes. And so I really appreciated that they went, we have a choice here because they obviously have de-aged characters before. We have a choice here. We can either just put Hayden Christensen out there and let him act, or we can make him look like he's the same age he was. And they went, okay, fuck it, let him act. And it was yes. totally the right call.
1: Yeah, and this the, the, the beautiful point of uh, what really well illustrated, because as I was saying before, when they put the camera in Ewan Parker's face, they're putting the camera in Hayden's face in those scenes too. Right, they're and not trying they, to hide
0: his age it, by keeping yeah, from his and, face. And, not hiding it at all.
1: Every wrinkle or crinkle that you airbrush out is a little bit of nuance in his face and you're taken away from his performance. And uh, so when... You uh Obi-Wan says to him, like, you're so concerned about winning that you you that blinds you and he loses and he teaches him that lesson. You see a lot going on behind yep. Hayden's eyes in that moment where he's considering it. And you see an eager pupil, you yep. see a naive kid, you see all these things, even though it's <laughs> the see, of like a 40-year-old child. In.
0: You see yeah. a child who's in trouble for going too far, do.
1: Exactly. And it's like, I could definitely suspend my disbelief seeing the face of a four-year-old, 40-year-old doing that over like a distracting, I've mentioned this before when we talked about Rogue One, when um, Leia turns around and you see her and she says, hope, and then it goes straight to your credits. And my reaction to that was like, what? <laughs> because she just looks so weird. And then the yeah. movie just ends. And I just, I would have preferred if it were just like, I don't know, like just don't show her face or something like that. And so, but with Hayden Christensen, it's like, We know he is Anakin, whether he's 40 years old or 20 years old, he's Anakin. So it's a lot easier to believe that compared to like a CG face of him being Anakin.
0: Right. Yeah. You know, and I would be remiss if I didn't point out that he looks very, very good for someone that's like 20 years older than. Yeah. He looks, he looks amazing. So any closing thoughts for part five and any hopes for? last I can't believe that the show is almost done we got one more you part know. of the show to go I'm bummed I'm uh, really glad because I really think this story is going to I've complained about this with comic books as much as I enjoy comics I've complained about stories that just keep going and mm-hmm. I as 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 sad as I am to see it go man I gotta tell you I appreciate when a story ends and I want more and I know I'm not gonna get it but it's satisfying yeah. I felt that way about the expanse um, and I think I'm gonna feel that way about about Obi Wan Kenobi 2. I think I'm going to be sad to see it end because I was so excited to to get him back for a while and and, and get to share some time with him. It's going to be sad to see him go but but I'm really excited for whatever the hell it is they have lined up for episode six with with Reva still being alive and apparently getting this thing. And obviously now uh, and I'm a big Jimmy Smith's fan. So really excited to, that Bale is apparently going to be on Tatooine like. There's a lot that's going on here. Um, I, am, I am excited to see the story end and not be ready to let it go. Mm. Yeah, well, so. I'm
1: with you. I, uh, I talked about this recently uh, about other things and how it's, it's hard for me to invest in the TV show unless I know the creators were like, we know the ending, the show's only going to be X amount of yes. seasons. That's it. Yep. And then if they, when they're like that, I'm like, I will watch your show because they're, they're doing they're telling a story as compared to, like, we'll see how long we can pull this fucker out. And so uh, I I heard rumors that uh, they might do maybe, like, another Obi-Wan miniseries or something like that, which would be cool. But either way, they're still thinking about it as, like, this is a one-and-done sort of thing, which I love. Um, I, As you mentioned earlier, Josh, I don't know if it was on the podcast or not, but literally have no idea where this is going to go next episode. We know they're out of uh, hyperdrive fuel, we know the Empire's right behind them. We know Reva found the communication from Bail Organa to Obi-Wan. She knows about Tatooine and Uncle Owen. She already met Uncle Owen, which by the way, I'm glad I would love to see Joel Edgerton back because he was so good Yeah, and um, we need to get more of him, but don't know. And I, I love not knowing. And I love the fact that like Reva could either go to Tatooine to either stir shit up or to maybe redeem herself. Who knows? Uh. Are Obi-Wan and Anakin gonna see each other again? Is Qui-Gon gonna finally show up? Hell, is the Emperor gonna show up? Because he hasn't even popped up once. So it's one of these things where it's like, next episode could be anything. And the fact that there's so much weighing on it for character, I just feel that by the end of it, I'm super curious to see where Obi-Wan Kenobi's gonna be in his uh mental state and emotional state. And um just to see if he's that much closer to Alec Guinness or uh, at least uh, a bunch of the steps already there. Is that making sense? I don't know.
0: (laughs) No, absolutely. I am very, very excited for part six. I think Chris, you said it, you put it very well. I will be glad that this story wraps up before it's worn out. It's welcome. And I don't know the, the way that the show has been designed thus far that makes me feel like they have something very specific or had something very specific in mind for what this final episode is going to be. And because they've nailed all of the character moments, at least in my estimation, I'm really, really excited to see what this all has been leading up to. I hope I don't... I'm not sticking my foot in my mouth, but I really have a feel like they are going to really stick the landing on this one. I can't can't imagine... Unless they have like some sort of a creative stroke and you go, what... What just happened? Uh, I'm I'm with you. I can't imagine they don't stick the landing.
1: Um, I have a feeling that this show is gonna like maybe age like a wine, you know. And I feel like it has high replay value because it's only six episodes long. I was thinking people gonna watch it. Yeah, people are gonna watch it over and over and over again, and they're gonna pick up on more and more things. And I think they're gonna appreciate it more than watch it.
0: I do not feel the need as my son gets older, if he gets into Star Wars, I do not feel the need to, as I enjoy The Mandalorian, I don't feel the need to show it to him. I don't feel the need to show him some of the cartoons, like Rebels I enjoyed, but I don't need to show it to him. Man, I'm going to need to show him Obi Wan Kenobi. I agree with you 100%. I think it's going to age extremely well and more than any other show they've done. I think it's going to be included as part of like the watching order of the canon.
1: Yeah, I agree, hundred no, percent. It seems too. very, very. Um, it seems vital in
0: a way that yes, not all of the it word. does.
1: That's the word vital. It seems yeah. very vital, and, and not just vital for uh, canon or, or 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 story. I think it seems vital for the future of Star Wars. I feel like, um, as a storytelling medium, this show just seems extremely important in a lot of different ways. Absolutely.
0: And on that note, if you liked what you heard, please visit TrashComPod.com where you can rate and review us. So PodChaser.com slash TrashComPod and rate or review us. And we are TrashComPod across all social media. And we will see you next week for part six.